0: Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Baltimore Sports Report.
1: Welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is the 22nd of September 2014, and this is episode 96. My name is Jake English, and here's my big boy, my Cullen commentator, my co-host Scott and Magnus. Scott, you're, uh, you seem different this week. I'm a little bit more aged, I'm a little bit more elderly, um... Not as good as you once were. And I don't smell like champagne and beer. Well, there's that. Yeah. If you're listening to our voices right now, it's probably because you found us on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. It's also very possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report Network, which can be found at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. You can find us there with other great shows about Baltimore sports, the Orioles, the Caps, the Ravens, etc., etc., et cetera, Caps? All right. Uh if you're uh if you listen to us elsewhere, do it uh do it on, on Double Twist, on Stitcher, on Miro if you have to, do it on iTunes. I prefer
0: Stitcher. That's just
1: my personal preference. I just like Stitcher. That's what's on my phone. Yeah. If you have to do it on iTunes, do us a favor. Go there and and put a, a rating and a review of the show. We'd really appreciate it. We'd love to know what you're thinking. We'd especially love to know what you're thinking if it's a five-star rating. If you're going to check us out on face uh, on social media, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Google+. We have a YouTube channel. But the best place to get in contact with us is at Twitter. We tweet at B. Birdseyeviewb- a L. We want to make sure that you're aware that the Baltimore Sports Report Network does a little thing called Post Game Live on Channel BSR. This is a post game show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Scott and I tend to make a few appearances there. It's anywhere between 5 to 15 minutes after the game. It's hosts of the Baltimore Sports Report Network breaking down the game that they just saw in a way that does not involve the Mars ads. And uh, last thing that we'll mention, if you're at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, make sure you scroll all the way to the bottom. If you're going to use Amazon, do it through the link there at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. We'd really appreciate it. It does help us keep the lights on here. And with that, Scott, let's go to it. What is your drink of the week? Jake, uh, my drink of the week
0: is a Caribbean cask aged scotch, 14 years by Balvini.
1: And it's really good. It's really, it's really, really good. Really yeah, It's good. been
0: aged in Caribbean rum cast, So, Is this yeah. like a special occasion scotch? This may be a 38th birthday uh, scotch. Oh, yeah.
1: wow. It's an elderly scotch.
0: Yeah, so you could
1: partake in it, basically. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, you, you keep taking shots. Let's see how that works for you. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of you, get off my lawn. I am drinking a gin and tonic because why go to anything else it's another old man good job that's right all right now that we're through the important things let's go on to the medical wing actually some interesting things going on this week scott what do you have for us well let's see nick markakis has been out for several games he just
0: showed back up on monday night um he got hit in the shoulder and had a deep bruise had some x-rays done on it no big issues it didn't seem like and uh, actually i was really concerned going into tonight's game to see how he performed and uh you know, hasn't really shown up with the bat so far, but the play that he made from right field throwing it in to catch, to the catcher, which is absolutely unbelievable. Nick Marcakis, I've got no doubt or, you know, I have total faith in you.
1: So Nick Markakis, it, it's welcome fine. back. It's funny you say that because driving over here to do the podcast, I actually listened to the Yankees feed on satellite radio. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting. I especially loved when they gave their injury report. It mm-hmm. was just delicious to listen to. It was it was shot in Freud wrapped up in a small package. They're still going through it right now, right? Yes, they're still at <laughs> it several innings later. But they called that play and they had nothing but good things to say about that play. It was just basically wow. Wow. Did you see that? No, I'm listening to the radio. Wow wow that's good play by play yeah it was incredible
0: when you make fred manford look good that's a bad sign
1: yeah all right what else do you have on the medical wing
0: let's see steve pierce is still still dealing with a nagging wrist injury from uh i guess sliding into first um that awkward play that he made um he's got a quarter zone shot that went into it and he's basically resting he says that he's gonna be back on wednesday and when he woke up today it felt better than it had since the injury so i guess that's good news but it's hard to see pierce out of the lineup right now for how well he was
1: contributing to this orioles lineup I'm really concerned with the prospect of not having Steve Pierce in the lineup. That is a thing that really, really concerns me. Um, Do you think that he's there out of the lineup just because we've got the cushion of having won the division?
0: Mm, I think that's a point of it, but I don't think it's the entire reason. But let's come back to sitting people down at a later point. um, I definitely think that's something to discuss. Speaking of other injuries, Kevin Gossman... Um, had a blister on his right index finger. Buck was asked about this um, with Kevin Gawson's poor start, but he really didn't make any excuses. He just said he's been dealing with this for a while, so this is no big deal. He came down with the sucks. Well, that's that's he doesn't suck. He just gave up the he gave up the dongs the last
1: time, so it's it's not sucks. It's just he had a bad adding. Is the is the blister something you think will rear its ugly head next week or in his next start or what have you or, or what do you think? I don't think it's that big of a deal. All right, fair yeah. enough. I will I will take your your available my optimism. medical advice yes. yes absolutely All right, Jake uh, why don't we swing over to the twat now this week on the Twitters the, look this is the best week or this is the best tweet that happened this week, and it's a little out of date at this point. Um, this tweet was was posted on the 21st of September by at Oriole memes, and it reads as follows: "The angels have six games left to play and have 96 wins. If the angels go three and three. The O's have to go six and one. If the Angels go two and four, the Orioles have to go five and two. Look, this is where we are. We've got a chance. It's a slim one, but we're chasing the first seed uh, in the AL. We could be the best team in the AL. But here's the thing: even if we come up short, being the second best team in the AL, it's a pretty good position to be in, is it not? Mm, you're
0: right. But correction: it's not just the AL; it's Major League Baseball.
1: Ah uh, yes, because the best team in the National League is that uh team from Montreal, is it not? It is that team from Montreal.
0: Wee 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 wee. Let's go to the most valuable Oriole, and this was um a post from simply at Ad- our simply AJ10, or otherwise known as Adam jensen It says, "Big ups to my teammate at NC Boomstick23, which is Nelson Cruz. I'm getting the MVO. You're a better
1: teammate than player. Says a lot about your character. Let's finish this." That is an onion of a tweet. It has so many layers. I mean, let's just peel this back. First okay. of all, great for Adam Jones for being incredibly gracious. He's been the MVO for several years in sure. a row. It's nice of him to, to do that. All yeah. right? Second of all, you're a better teammate than a player. Says a lot about your character. Mm-hmm. What is that part about that's right. about, yeah. we don't care about the PED thing. No, exactly. That's
0: also great that you hit 40 home runs this year, but really it's been great having you in the clubhouse and being around the rest of us guys really have embraced you of, you know, you're one of the guys now and not just a one-year rental.
1: I really feel like Adam Jones' stamp of approval of him as a as a teammate means something. Yeah. Not, not just to the Orioles this year, but he's got free agency to think about in, in the offseason, and, you know, they're not there yet mentally, but... That means something, the fact that this Orioles club really latched on to Nelson Cruz. Does it not? I, I think it does, too. I think that
0: was a pretty—that's a tweet that you want to see your clubhouse leader putting out there.
1: And And last layer, let's finish this.
0: I like it. The only problem I have with that is it didn't finish in a punctuation mark. I guess he ran out of characters.
1: Yeah, that happens. Yeah. All right. I want to uh, make sure that we give a shout out to a good friend of the program, Matt Taylor, at Roar from 34. And if you are not reading his blog, you were doing this Oriole fandom thing wrong. His tweet reads as follows. The 2014 Orioles are only the third team in franchise history to beat every AL East opponent head-to-head. Read and a link to his uh, to his article on his website. We'll have it in the show notes. Make sure you click through and read that. Great stuff from Matt. As always, we really appreciate him. And again, you can follow on his blog at roarfrom34.com.
0: It's a highly recommended uh, site to visit um, just to get some perspective on the historical aspect of the Orioles. Um, Jake, you've been a big point of it for well, pretty much the entire year at this point. What? Yeah, but the attendance numbers finally came in. This is from... Brittany Giroli, and you can follow her at Brittany underscore crowd, 38,329 to close out the regular season at home. All home games equals 2,464,773. Jake, that represents a four and a half percent increase compared to 2013.
1: Okay. Do, do we want to do, do we want to have this discussion? Cause I feel like I've beaten this into a, a dead horse made of glue in the statue of my own disappointment.
0: Uh, Look, I was going to bring the horse in, but the cement fact, rubber cement factory called up and said, nope, the horse has been literally decapitated. You know, it's been made into the glue. We can no longer
1: discuss this anymore. Can I Can I just go on a tangent here? Sure. When I dropped my son off at my mother-in-law's... You game, have a, a
0: horse and a white a mother-in-law and
1: a, a son a, segment? I have a, I have a I have a horse and glue segment. Okay. So uh, last year, I used to drop my... Son off at my mother in law's house once a week, and she was kind enough to take care of him. It was, you know, spend the, spend the day with the grandparents it was a great thing. But on the way to her house in Falston, uh, we would pass a horse farm, and so we would stop every morning in front of the fence and just kind of look at the horses. If It was a warm day, you know. We'd roll the windows down and talk to them. And uh, for for so you're saying you're the horse whisperer? Yes. Okay. For lack of anything else to call them, I called the horse Elmer. And that's not a joke that my three-year-old son will get, but it's hilarious to have my son call a horse Elmer um, for for my own edification. Yeah,
0: your son's going to get in trouble when he gets to school. It's it's Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Anyway, look, the thing is about the, the attendance, I'm a little disappointed that a team that was clearly winning, a team that it was a surprise to nobody that won the AL East could not outdraw a team that won 85 games. I, I feel like... The Orioles were clearly a winning club and the fans didn't didn't show up in what that team deserved. And and I know you and I disagree on that, so I will let you speak and that will be the end of it. But two yeah. four six, not enough.
0: Honestly, Jake, you're just gonna need to get over it. Good times are here again.
1: Happy days are here again The skies above are clear again Let us sing a song of cheer again Happy days are here again All together,
0: shout it now There's no one here can doubt it now Let us tell the world about it now Happy days are
1: here again
0: Yes, Jake. Happy days are here again. The Orioles have clinched the American League East as of September 16th. It was the first time in 45 years that occurred in Baltimore, and um, one of us was fortunate enough to have a very interesting vantage point for that game.
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> there is a small amount of guilt that goes along with this vantage just, point, just a tiny bit of guilt. So before we get started on this tangent, I, I have to thank you, Scott. We got a, a tremendous opportunity um, to put one of us in the press box and you instantly said, hey, Jake, you should do it. And I can't thank you enough for uh, for being big about it. So thank you. Not a problem. While we're thanking people, we should also make sure the big thanks go out to uh, Zach Wilt of the Baltimore Sports Report, who was instrumental in setting it up uh, for us. He, he was a, a great help and uh, it was a lot of fun. And, and if you don't know what we're talking about, Um, we were able to get a a, a media credential for uh, one of the games in the last homestand of uh, the Orioles' season, and that happened to be Tuesday, September 16th. And so I was there in the press box to watch the Orioles clinch their first AL East division uh, championship in 17 years, and as Scott alluded, the first at home since 1969. So I'm going to be the—we normally do an interview for this segment,
0: so I'm going to interview you on your thoughts about— well, this is awkward. Yeah, well, I can I say? It's all about being awkward here at Bird's Eye View. Oh, man. Can can we just like... So, Jake, oh, thanks for coming on Bird's Eye View. Jeez. Oh, it's great to have you. This is awful. So, Jake, um,
1: you were in the press box on Tuesday night. Who did you sit with in the press box? Well, that's an interesting question. It, it, it was funny because I I got there and uh, I, you know, I walked in. I, I gave the lady my name and she was kind enough to set me up with my press credential and then said, all right, it, it's... Uh, you Know downstairs is this and upstairs is that. Uh, bye. So she had my credential. I had to walk professional, right? I had to walk myself upstairs, uh, to find the press box as if I belonged there. Uh, so I asked one of the attendants uh, in the press box for the, the guest blogger's chair, and he had no idea what I was talking about. Was this like an usher or yeah, I mean, it was, it was an attendant who was assigned to the, the press box. Okay, so, so it's like an old man yes okay and and the guy that that the person from the orioles that helped me with the credential said you know just ask ask whoever's in there in the orange shirt to put you in the guest blogger chair so i asked him he had no idea what i was talking yeah about. so uh he sits me down two seats from uh rock kabako who was one of the three people in the room when i got there at about uh you know 4 45 and rock gave me this look like hi um okay uh, a few minutes later, the guy uh, came back and said, "Oh, I found your seat." And so I packed up and moved back over. And Rock gave me the look like, "Yeah, I didn't think that was going to last." Yeah. But uh, no, I ended up sitting kind of in what I would call TV row. Uh, I was over there with TV folks, so um, I sat between uh, Pete Gilbert and and uh, and Mark Viviano. Because again, I guess this is all about dropping names. So, so who who were you sitting in? I would, there is a there is a designated seat. I understand for that, but the seat farther. that you were sitting in there before, what's whose seat was that? Oh, I have no idea. Okay, I have no idea. Okay, it wasn't marked. I, it wasn't marked, which is why I think they put me there. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, so uh, it was funny because it, it so was, there's was
0: marked seats.
1: Oh yeah, so okay. they we're have just, like little tabs that says this is where this person's supposed to sit. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. so it's like a wedding, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like I said, I was in TV row. Yeah, uh, Jerry Sandusky was behind me. In front of me was uh, all the AP folks. Okay, uh, one of the guys from. Uh, I guess Orioles hangout was there okay and um and stay the fan uh, yes. was was there from press box, and then a little farther to my left was you know the beat writers, the sun people sure m l b guys uh Rock, baseball writers and, of America, yeah, right, all them
0: all right well, it sounds like there was a proverbial amount of people. did you actually go and talk to any of these people during the during the game like did you have a conversation or did you just all just sit there
1: quietly and just watch this baseball game unfold? well i Here's what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to I didn't want to be somebody who didn't belong there. You know, I didn't want to be uh, somebody who was really opportunistic about it like, "Hey, you know, hi, from Birds Eye View. I want to talk to you so I can get you on the show later." So, I kind of let these people work because that's I was in their Honestly, workspace. That's what they're doing. Yes, yeah. they're, they're they're working. I was in their workspace. So, I I tried to 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 stay the heck out of their hair. Uh, the, the guys that I sat next to, uh, Viv and Pete Gilbert were incredibly gracious. Very nice. I I guess it was all over my face. That was my first time in the press box, Pete Gilbert, especially just chatting me up all night and uh, about baseball. I mean, about family and, you know, we talked about our kids he was, I mean, I just want to say, thanks Pete. You made that experience so easy for me. Uh, but yeah, there was, it was just normal people having conversations. And the other thing that was funny was that, um, you know the conversation between the the writers and, and and the folks that are in the press box all the time. Obviously, they had a lot of conversations, and it was a it was a free for all. It was not the kind of thing where it was a it was a club that I was on the outside of. It was it was very nice. So there weren't clicks between like the baseball writers of America and like the TV guys. Well, I won't say that there weren't clicks, but you know, nobody was uh, snapping and dancing in unison, if that's what you mean. I'm just looking for like a breakfast club, really. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no.
0: <laughs> If you're going to tell me Brittany Drill is Molly Ringwald, I really am going to enjoy this. No, no, no. Okay. Um, I think
1: Rich Dubroff is Molly Ringwald. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> wouldn't how a perfect taste to get that. Um, let me ask you this question. The beat writers that are hanging together, you know, sitting next to each other, are they talking ideas out for articles? And for, are they basically saying, I'm going
1: to write about this today. Do you want to write about this? Or is there I, any? I didn't see that ahead of time. What I did see though, was after, after they got back from the interview with Buck, um, Was this the afternoon or the after the game? After the game. Okay. Post-game, after the post-game interview. Okay. um, They talked about the types of things that they were going to focus on. And it was interesting because somebody had a a recorder, and I want to say it was Dan Connolly, and it came down to the AP side of things. And, uh, you know, again, it's Ginsburg and and Dubroff, who writes for CSN. And he said, I'm going to talk about uh, Schmuck's question, which is at, you know, minute mark X. You can have whatever's after that. And so they kind of traded off. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was kind of cool because, A, I'm sure they have their kind of relationship where they trade off this kind of thing all the time. Yeah. Um, but also it makes sure that the readers don't get the same story from each of the media members. I think that's important, yeah. I think I that's I was, important. I was impressed by that.
0: Um, let me ask you this question. Um, were there comments made aloud during certain points of the game? Like when Jimenez kept walking people through the game, were there comments made by the beat writers or by personalities in the press box saying, how did you see that or
1: what's up with this? And Absolutely. I I don't want to name anybody by name, but absolutely there were discussions about Jimenez and how his season had unfolded and how, whether or not it was wise to have him pitching this game, what we could expect from, for the rest of the game. Absolutely. That, that conversation that you would expect to happen in the stands absolutely happened in the press box. And I, and I will say it was, it was more reserved and, it was more or less done in a professional manner. But yeah, I mean, these these guys are, are people. Just Okay, like so professors. it's not like a quiet setting. It's
0: really an active kind of discussion, like you'd be sitting in the stands to a certain regard. Yeah, but I mean, it's quieter more, than that. More, more focused, the, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let me ask you this question. You've got a bunch of people in there that are obviously media personalities, and they're working on articles and you know taking notes. How much... Focus is being put on social media during the game as opposed to writing articles or
1: you a know. lot. It was it was really interesting because when I got there again, I was one of the first people in the in the booth because I wanted to watch. You know, I kind of want to watch it fill up. Um, and it was really interesting to see guys sit down, get people, uh, ladies too, sit down and uh, start their stories. You know, you'd see the byline come up and then you'd see three or four paragraphs come up. So it's obviously, it was obvious to me that they had an angle that they were going to work on either that, or they were gambling on what was going to happen with the game. And they wanted to make sure that they were ahead of it. Um, and uh, so they, they all had a, a story probably halfway through in the works by the time they got done, or by the time the game got started. And then after that, it was almost all social media from what I could see. Okay. Again, you know, I sat, I sat, uh, you know, kind of up back so I could see the whole front row and it was a Crap ton of Twitter, and it was, um, you know, again, I saw the guys from uh, Oreo Hangouts, so somebody was monitoring the board, but it was a lot of Twitter. It was really funny because you would watch somebody tweet something out, and then, like, blink, it would show up on your feed, like, yeah, a, a few minutes later.
0: It's really interesting, too, because you think about, you know, what the press box must have been like even five years ago, and you know, Twitter was not going to be that big at that time, and just to see. That dynamic shift of what the press box is now with social media interaction and, you know, now, like you said, the entire front row of the press box is all working on Twitter. Just really interesting in that regard.
1: It, it was so funny to see things, but, but they're, of course, in in touch with social media and they're very modern and I don't want to make it sound otherwise. But it was so funny because I would see things like people pulling up their AOL mail on an iPad. You know what I mean? It was very much a a, a yeah. mix and a marrying of a marriage of the, old. And how new. is that even possible? Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Let Let me ask you this question:
0: Were there any foul balls into the breast box? No, absolutely not. And it was a good thing because uh, well, you would have squealed. I would have squealed. Okay. Um. Did anybody give you a stink eye in the press box besides Rockabacko when you first walked in? <laughs> no, it wasn't stink eye. He was he was good about it. He just he just knew I wasn't there. Did you to actually stay. talk to Rock, or did you just go like I'm not going to talk to him because we've talked to him before? No, I but just,
1: I just said hey, and again I was trying not to be opportunistic. Okay, he, gotcha. was, he was writing or tweeting or whatever, and I I wanted to stay out of his hair. Gotcha um but no nobody nobody gave me the stink eye like i said everybody was super duper nice the only person that i think wasn't happy to see me was the guy that didn't know where to sit me. the attendant gotcha
0: well ushers are
1: never happy to see you so <laughs>
0: all right jake so the orioles go up seven to two in the game and it's obvious to the whole crowd that okay the Orioles are actually going to clinch tonight what kind of action started happening in the press box at that time
1: well you saw a lot of people start to get ready for whatever came next you saw a lot of people finish their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also a lot more chatter at that point. Um, you know, I mentioned Pete was on my left. And so a lot of the WBAL folks, both on the radio and the t- TV side, kind of got together and they were chatting um, a little more collegiately, I guess, than it had been previously. But yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely, you know, like you'd see anywhere else. Once once it was kind of decided, it, it got It took loose. a different atmosphere of loose and
0: you know, it'd be interesting to go back to another game when it isn't a clinching game and just see if you still have that kind of exuberance or if it's just day in and day out fashion. You could feel an undercurrent of excitement. I'll put right. it that way. It was muted, but it was there. Right. All right, Jake. So, game is coming to a close. Ponchos are starting to be ripped out because people are already
1: getting prepared to be soaked in suds. Well, I called them celebration slickers, which is actually it's a term that kind of took off. Because early in the game, somebody mentioned it and nobody really did anything about it. But as the game went on, they started you know, sharing them, handing them around, that kind of thing. It was funny because uh, Viviano was looking for a slicker that would fit him. You know, like a poncho that would that would cover his uh, his tall frame, and uh, it was funny because they were all trying to make sure that they got you know all their phones and everything and, and plastic bags and stuff of that nature. So it, it definitely, I would say from the fifth inning on. And
0: you were prepared to go and uh, put your poncho and get all your stuff into a plastic bag, correct? Uh, no. I was no more prepared for that than I am for this every week. Okay, so you became ill-prepared at all. You just basically, I was like, oh, well, everyone else is going downstairs. I don't
1: know what I'm going to do. So what happened, Jake? Well, this is actually an interesting story. Because I mentioned coming in to, to the the home plate plaza. And the lady that, that I got my credential from said, you know, if you're going to go upstairs, it's this. And if you're going to go downstairs, it's that. Um, she kind of gave me a little spiel. And so I went up to the press box. Uh, somewhere in the fifth or sixth inning one of the oriel pr guys came down to talk to my table about what was going to happen after the game and talking about going downstairs and and here's where the interviews were going to be and all that stuff and i got thinking i was like oh my gosh like i'm here and that means i get to do that how cool is that so uh you know i was chatting with some of the folks at my table and uh you know, so we waited for the last pitch to be finished. We watched the clinch. We we're really excited about it. And then it was a mad dash. People just running. Um, so, you know, I ran downstairs, three flights of stairs, uh, following the crowd, so to speak, I ran down this corridor, which ended up being the umpire's tunnel. And there I was on the field. Um, which was pretty incredible. So uh, I'm thinking to myself, like, first of all, let's, let's try to act like you've been here, right? right? Act like you belong, which is ridiculous. Yes. But so I'm we taking, all know that you, can't act like you've been I, somewhere. I was trying not to audibly squeal. Okay. Was my thing. Um, but so you know I was taking uh, pictures with my cell phone which by the way turned out awful. I took a, like I took a ton of awful cell phone pictures. Um, and at some point on the blog, I'll, I'll post post my experience. But, uh, so, you know, I, I was trying to stay out of the way of the media people that had real jobs to do, sure um, especially the the TV cameras. I wanted to make sure I gave them their, their space. Um, but like Dave Wallace came over and shook my hand, (laughs) which was funny. Um, but it was really cool to watch how super excited the players were. Mm -hmm. Like this was not. This was not for show. This was what they had been working for. And for many of them, I mean, think about Marquecas. For many of them, this is what they've been working at their entire career. And it was it was incredibly evident. Um, so that was amazing. The other thing that was amazing to see was to see the crowd from the the point of view, the vantage point of the, the field. Everywhere you looked, there was just a, a wall of orange of people that were so excited to be there, so excited to to see what they had seen. And I mean, you could really feel the raw emotion just rippling from the stands, you know, to the field and back. It was, it was pretty incredible. Okay. So you're on the field. You've met Dave
0: Wallace. There's a celebration occurring here. Dave Wallace comes up and shakes your hand for whatever reason that may be because you've done absolutely nothing for this team. Um, Maybe he thought you were like someone related to the Angelos or something like that. Know. But maybe, maybe there's some other guy with long hair that that, uh, yeah. that hangs out in the clubhouse. Did you get close to anybody else or did you, like I said, did you just stay in the background?
1: You know, I, I took a lot of pictures. I was actually really close to uh, Andrew Miller for a, a great portion of the thing just because he kept walking where I was walking. <laughs> uh, but no, I tried to stay out of the way. Like I said, I was, uh, you know, I... I Definitely was not in my element the same way the, the the rest of the media guys were, and I I wanted to make sure that I was not, um, you know, not impeding anybody's sure. work. Basically, all right. So you're on the field, and what happens next? So you know, I'm, I'm there, and I'm trying to soak up the moment because, believe me, I I do not assume that this is going to happen again anytime soon. Um, But I realized that the crowd on the field was starting to thin out, and so I wasn't really sure what happened next or where I was supposed to go. So I kind of inserted myself in a line of— So you followed the crowd again? Yeah. Okay. uh, Inserted myself into a crowd of— This comes off as very lemming-ish. I'm just going to point that out. Yeah, I I have no shame about that. So I I put myself in this line of reporters, and they go walking down the corridor, again, down the umpire's tunnel— And again, not being very familiar with the underbelly of Camden Yards, I wasn't really sure where we were headed until I realized that we were inside the Orioles clubhouse and the celebration had begun in earnest. And uh, that was was really cool. And so again, I was like, you know what? Act cool. Be cool, man. Be cool. Look at everything. Take it all in. I tried to take some cell phone pictures. Again, they were awful. um, Probably because either my hands were shaking or or I just didn't have a very good vantage point. And it was funny because, um, uh, you know, I was being very careful to stay out of people's way. Cause again, this is, this is their work environment. I wanted to make sure that I was not impeding that. And so somebody, uh, somebody from the club taps me on the shoulder and says, I'm sorry, who are you? And so I, I introduced myself and I, I told him I was there on a, on a day credential. And then the funniest thing happens. He goes, Oh, I'm really sorry. You're not supposed to be in here. Whoops. And I said, what? He goes, yeah. I'm sorry, your your credential is not not good for the clubhouse. I said, I'm I'm really sorry. I didn't I didn't realize there was a distinction. And then and then I tried. I tr- this is the thing, you know. Everybody was such an, a. That, that, then Jake pulls up the uh, swab, mood. just like, well, hey, every, everybody hey, baby. was in yeah. such a good mood. And so I was like, you know what? I, I obviously I have a credential. You know, I can obviously be trusted at some at some level. I'm I'm in the room. The opportune word is at some level. And. I, I, and that level was not in the clubhouse <laughs> I'm sure I could do a really good job of staying out of the way in the corner he's like look I'm really sorry I just can't have you in here he said you can hang out outside you can go down to the auxiliary clubhouse which is apparently where they did the interviews I, I just can't have you in here and I thought to myself I was like sure I could I could wheedle I could beg but I've already had the experience of a lifetime why make this guy's job harder? Right. I said alright thanks a lot so uh, I and honestly, out. while it wasn't his job or the Orioles' job, it was just probably following Major League Baseball rules. And he was not a jerk about it. He yeah. was really apologetic about it when it, it turns out. I mean, I had no idea, but uh, you know, they, they've got rules. Fine, whatever. That's cool. Yeah, you kind of need like class C credentials to get down to the clubhouse. Uh, apparently, so I was. Yeah. I was a D list at best. Yeah. Uh, so I went outside, uh, hung out outside the, the clubhouse for a minute or two. Um, you know, I walked down the corridors again, not familiar with the underbelly of Canyon Yards, and I figured to myself, I was like, you know, I've probably I've probably done enough. Certainly more than I had expected when I walked in this afternoon. Uh, so I just ended up going back up to the clubhouse, um, and a few minutes later, the beat writers came up, so I didn't feel like I had missed anything. Uh, but it was it was an amazing experience, particularly because when I got back upstairs, and again, I don't mean to be savvy, but the crowd was still there. You know, it was eleven o'clock on a work night, and people were still there. You know, celebrating some of the team had come back out, and it was just, it was just amazing to to watch all that happen. And uh, I, you know, I wrote up a little piece for BSR, um, but I just, I just kind of hung out until until you know the lights went out, and I realized that I, I had work the next day, and uh, I better make some better decisions. Uh, but I left at about one o'clock.
0: All right, so there are some really great moments of. The night, I think we should just go back and forth and just go through a few
1: moments that we found very special, but before i mean, I, I feel really uncomfortable talking about myself, even sure. though I, I get on the internet and talk every week, yes, but was it as was it as cool at home? I mean i, I missed out on all the mass and stuff
0: the mass mass and coverage was really good, I will say that much. Um, I'm not going to go into too much depth with it because again, people that are listening to us probably watched it on the on the TV, but I thought Masson did a very good job. Um, some of the camera angles they took were really well done. But the top three moments that I really – let's go to our top three All moments. Right, One see. of my top moments was when the Orioles players brought their families, their wives and kids onto the field to play. I thought that was a really touching moment just seeing some of their kids kind of circle the bases and play. Just a really nice thing of just say, oh, these guys aren't just, you know, guys by themselves. You know, having Chen come out with his family
1: and his guys just like – That's kind of nice. It was as special for them as it was for us. Right. You know, their, their wives were there, their children's were, their their children were there, their parents were there. I mean, it was, that was, I agree. That was really touching. How about you? What was another one for you? Um, You know, I mentioned that I missed out on all the mass and stuff, but when I went home, I was, I was it was like my, have you ever seen that Disney World uh, commercial where the little kid's like, I'm too excited to sleep because he's going to Disney World the next morning?
0: No, I don't know anything about Disney World at all. It's not like we know anybody <laughs> that likes Disney World.
1: Anyway, I was too <laughs> excited to sleep. So I watched some of the interviews. Watching Steve Pierce be interviewed about how he was feeling was as good as it gets. Look we've talked about in the past, we love Steve Pierce as a player, but it's even better because you can root for him as a human being. It means so much to him to be on this club. It means so much to him to have been a journeyman and to be playing not only a, a role on a club that's made the playoffs, but an important role that's made the playoffs. He teared up at times during those interviews and they see somebody care so much as a person that again, has a stupid hobby that talks about the Orioles every week. I mean, I just eat that up. So that was a really touching moment for me.
0: A really touching moment for me was when Ben Barlow, Monica Barlow's husband, came out into the field, kind of was standing at the mound, just soaking it all up and just kind of looking around, looking up a little bit. And just as like, that doesn't pull on you and, you know, make you cry a little bit. I don't know what does. So that was pretty touching.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool when the crowd uh, greeted O'Day. And the O'Day chant lasted. It seemed like all inning. Yeah, I mean, they really were just giving it to him in in the way that it was. It was like a, a, a season long achievement award. You know, yeah. they they just they were so glad to see him. They knew it was in the bag. Um, I'm yeah. looking forward to that chant when we get to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. Um,
0: one of my top moments for my top three was Buck Showalter staying back in the dugout and just watching and admiring the celebration as his players rushed the field. He comes out. You know, yeah, he's excited but he's also just so darn proud of this team and just of how much they've accomplished. And you know, there's more things to do, but he can just take an effect of, you know, this isn't just something that you're just like, okay, it is what it is, but
1: this is a special moment for him, but also for the city. He's a self-proclaimed fuddy duddy. And you know, we told, uh, we told, uh, Buster Olney, uh, that it's, it's cool that he's become one of us. Like it's important to him to, to be a Baltimore Oriole, or at least so he's, he's gone out of his way to say, he's been this far before, you know, he's, he's taken teams, you know, deep into the season. This is as big a chance for him as it is for any of us. Right. So, yeah, I I agree. Good, good call. The last one for me, um, my third moment was just watching Oriole fans with their pure emotion. Again, being able to see it from the field, being able to see it from the press box, you saw a range of emotions, fans, exuberant, you know, celebrating with the players as Wayne Kirby and Steve Pierce and Adam Jones and Caleb Joseph showered the fans with beer and champagne and pies and all that stuff, watching them hug each other, watching them. I mean, there were tears of joy shed. I mean, just like raw, powerful tears of joy for people who've been waiting so long to watch something like that. And if you looked out in the crowd and saw that and you weren't affected by it, you are doing the baseball thing wrong. It was just, it was amazing. All right. Well, I'm tired of talking about the past. It's time to look towards the
0: future. Let's get ready for October, Jake. Jake, the Orioles are still in contention for the best record in Major League Baseball, being only two and a half games behind the Angels. The Angels play the Athletics and Mariners, who are battling for wildcard spots over the next six games. However, it's very unlikely that the Orioles are going to catch them at this time. As we talked about, the Orioles would basically have to go near, be nearly perfect to do so and hope to get some help from the Mariners and the Athletics. Jake, uh, the, throughout this week, we've seen uh, the Orioles start to rest starters since Tuesday. Jake, my question to you is, should the Orioles be resting their starters or should they be going for this first spot uh, and try
1: to get home field advantage throughout the whole playoffs? Well, if you're asking my opinion, they should have seen how it went. They should have gone ball busters to win the first couple games. And if it was clear to them that they were either going to to make a real shot at it, they should continue to go ball busters. And if it was clear to them that they weren't going to get it, then they should rest the heck out of their guys. Okay, so... I'm not sure that I saw either of those two. I'm not sure if we saw either one of those two. I think we,
0: and again, we also were wrecked with a few injuries this week, like we talked about. So uh, it just felt like the Orioles did take a few days off in terms of sitting Adam Jones as well. So it was just interesting. I'm not going to, you know, raise the red flag and say, why are we doing this? I think it was actually probably the smart move. And again, Buck talked about this at FanFest last year, um, saying, you know, he really was well aware of how much, you know, playing every single game took out of his players. Um, I and, think this is just kind of a similar situation. And at
1: this point, this as as of this recording, this team has already won 91 games. I mean, don't they sort of get the benefit of the doubt for what they do? Pardon me 91, isn't it 93? I think it's 93 games. Well, shake. then
0: it's more it's more than 91. My yeah. point stands. Okay. Um, but thanks for following the Orioles. That's hey, so, what I do. So, Jake, it looks like the Orioles are going to play the uh Detroit Tigers in the ALDS. Um, the Orioles going to go against some great players including Miguel Cabrera and Victor Martinez. But let's not look over the players on their roster, such as Ian Kinsler and, more importantly, in my opinion, J.D. Martinez, who has a 400 WOBA over the entire season and is hitting a nearly 400 BABIP. He's been there, Steve Pierce on that team. A player waived by the Astros in spring training has changed his stance at the plate and is making more contact with the ball and hitting for line drives. It's the reason why his BABIP is so high, and it'll be interesting to see how the Orioles combat him since their pitchers like to put balls into play. Can I just stop you? Sure. It's a really good
1: comparison that was well done.
0: Thank you. Um, And Jake, you know, most people will be able to quickly come back and point out the weakness of the Tigers, which is their bullpen. But they have the ability to put Furlander back into the pen as he's not needed as a fifth starter. Furlander's ability to throttle velocities when he wants makes him so good as a starter. And imagine seeing that velocity change out of the bullpen. It could get nasty really quick for the Orioles. And the Tigers, you know, they've got some of the best home run per fly ball ratios in the major leagues. They put have their four top pitchers are top thirty in major league baseball in terms of home runs per nine and home runs per fly ball. This has to be concerning for the Orioles who have shown the ability to rely on the long ball. It's also not based on their stadium as if they have a better part factor for home runs compared to Canyon Yards. I'll be honest with you, Jake. Nothing about the Detroit Tigers makes me think the Orioles can beat them in a series of five. Their numbers clearly show the Tigers have a better team based on offensive war. FIP. Woba, Jake, what am I missing
1: here? Here's what you're missing. How do you spell October? T-I-G-E-R-S? Yeah. (laughs) In a short series, you can throw all that crap out. And I said crap because I'm being generous and not making you go back and edit out my swear words. You can throw out all the numbers in a short series because the playoffs are the champion of small sample size secondly i want to make this point to you scott which team, the fact that
0: you brought up sample size makes me so happy
1: <laughs> which team in the al or frankly in the nl right now is saying to themselves gosh i hope we get baltimore which team is hoping that they face our offense hoping that they face a unspectacular but incredibly dependable starting rotation looking forward to facing a bullpen that has been absolutely shut down as long as you hide brian mattis against righties my point is The Orioles are no longer a welcome mat waiting to happen for good teams. The Orioles, in a five-game or a seven-game series, are as dangerous as anyone out there. But okay, you want to talk about the Tigers? My question is why? The Tigers are in the Central Division and may not win it. The Royals are at this point, uh, what, two or two and a half games behind the Tigers? They have every chance of winning that division. But I will give it to you, Scott. Let's let's talk. It is highly likely that the Tigers will win that division. All right. I'm 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 with you. The thing about the Royals, they've got to score four runs. Yeah, uh, That's the thing. Yeah. They, they've got to score four yeah. runs, and their, and their offenses struggled to do it, particularly when Billy Butner is at DH, which is what he's done. Anyway, let's talk about the Tigers. All right? And Ned Yost is their manager, which is absolutely a travesty. <laughs> you talked about Justin Verlander, and let's do this. You know that I am as big of... I won't call myself a fan, but I am one who respects Justin Verlander, a healthy respect for Justin Verlander, and not in the re two pecked sense. But Justin Verlander is a shadow of himself this year. And the fact that he might be in the pen in the ALDS speaks how he has performed this season. Secondly, Verlander in the pen will be part of a very vulnerable group. And you talked about the velocity. Scott, the thing about Justin Verlander is that he only brings a velocity as the game goes on. Justin Verlander gets into the high velocity as the game continues. He starts in the low to mid-90s in the first, second, and third. And as the third, fourth start to weigh in, that's when he starts to get into that 96, 97 uh, frame. And frankly, when you're a reliever, you don't have a cushion because you don't come in in a situation that isn't high leverage in the playoffs as a reliever. And Justin Verlander is not a guy who's done that before. Okay, maybe he's relieved games. Frankly, I'm not going to look that up. But the point is, he's been a starter. He's been a starter for a long time. And he's been a really good starter for a long time. And to depend upon Justin Verlander as a successful reliever, in my opinion, is a mistake. Now, the Tigers might do it. And they might do it out of necessity because their bullpen has been a dumpster fire. Their bullpen has been so good that they went out and got. Jim Johnson, a guy who was traded from Baltimore for a bag of balls, a guy who was, who was released by the Oakland Athletics, a team that was trying to make the playoffs. They have a problem in that bullpen. So you say that the, the Tigers starters are good. Yeah, they're good. And I agree with you, but they better go nine because the thing is, is that once that Tigers bullpen comes into play, the Orioles offense is exactly the kind of offense that can take advantage of it. They've got power one through nine. Yes, even without Chris Davis, because when you get to something like Ryan Flaherty and Jonathan Scope and the eight, nine holes, you've still got a power threat. Moreover, the Orioles' offense has actually shown an ability to manufacture runs lately. And I say that because, and we'll get to this in a little bit, David Lowe is showing, showing signs of life. What? Alejandro Deaza has been hitting extra base hits and getting himself in a scoring position for the middle of the order clutch. This is not an offense that can be dismissed, particularly against a weak spot in the late innings. The Orioles are a threat and I'm not sure they're one that the, that the, uh, Tigers are able to manage. I will admit that the, the Tigers, uh, offense is, is nothing to be sneezed at. But one of the strengths of the Orioles this year has been that we don't have the highest of highs in our rotation, but we have four very stable guys. If you were to tell me right now that our number four starter in the playoffs was going to play the Tigers, that would be Bud Norris or Miguel uh, Miguel Tejada, Gonzalez. Those are guys that I would I would put up against any of the good teams in the league and say we got a good shot. And if those starters can keep it close, I believe that the offense can give us enough. No, I don't have Woba behind that argument. No, I don't have a on-base percentage behind that argument. I don't have the war behind that argument. What I have is a season in which I've seen that as a trend show itself. Okay. I, I can completely buy that. and I, I come come back to the names
0: that you gave, which are really a bunch of nobodies, in all honesty. Alejandro de there's no reason that Alejandro Diaz should be playing as good as he is right now. There's no reason that Steve Pearce should be playing as good as he is right now. But the fact of the matter is, they are playing good right now, and going into October, just playing good right now, and like you said, getting hot at the right time can play dividends out. I'm going to come back to the San Francisco Giants in previous years. The San Francisco Giants were not a very good team; they weren't a very good statistical team. But again, they got hot at the right time, and they made it work in the playoffs, and they basically took it to two World Series in four years.
1: Simple as that. Uh, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the Jim Hunter of the group. I don't want to be seen as the the Kool-Aid drinker, but I don't see that there's any reason to dismiss the Orioles as not serious contenders in the playoffs.
0: I think it's anybody's, you know, chance to win in the American League. Uh, I know we talked to Buster only. I know he was picking the Orioles, um, but I really think that anybody from the American League, including the wild cards that come into it, could easily go to the World Series in the American League.
1: Can I go back to something that you said, and that is getting hot at the right time. The Orioles are doing this thing right now that I, I want to describe as being in a funk, but I want to be more more circumspect than that. Are are the Orioles in a funk right
0: now? I would say no. I mean, you come back to that Saturday game that we were at, and yes, I was a little hungover, but
1: no, um, no, yeah, no, 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 no.
0: But again, they really did a very good job offensively during that game. Now, Sunday, um, pretty poor offensive showing. Monday, again, pretty poor offensive showing. Um, but, I mean, you can't just take two games. Let's just take a look at the body of work that has been this past 30 days. And the Orioles have been a great offensive team. I think we've got to look at the entire grouping of September and realize that, yes, this team could go into the playoffs very hot. Let's not take two games as an indication of they're going into a
1: slump. All right. I You know, I... I'm certainly not one to make mountains out of molehills. I have a lot of faith in this team, and uh, i got to be honest. You and I are probably the the most uh, bitter and pessimistic baseball optimists there are. Yeah. But I think at heart we are, and I think there's plenty of room for Orioles fans to be optimistic about what we're about to go into. I'm also going to point out, too—
0: we're going into our last series, um, not so much against the Yankees, but this last series against Toronto. If our bat- bats can't get hot in the Thunderdome in Canada, then something is seriously wrong. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. In
1: the Dome, two teams go in, one comes out.
0: Into the playoffs. <laughs> well, with that shake, I think it's time that we go ahead and go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, Jake, I'm going to mix it up this week. I'm going to go first this week. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So, Jake, my good for the week is going to go to Adam Jones. He dominated the plate on Saturday with two dongs. But the celebration on Tuesday will go down in Baltimore lore. Adam Jones did a remarkable job for his celebration on Tuesday night to clinch um, any thought that uh, Adam Jones does not love the city after that social media guffaw. Um, is absolutely evaporated after his uh, his celebration on Tuesday
1: night. Absolutely. All right, my good this week is probably going to surprise you. Okay, I'm going to go with David Lowe. What? <laughs> David Lowe only had seven at bats this week, and so it's a little ridiculous for me to give it to him. But in that time, he had four hits, and in that time, he had a double and a home run. He drove in two runs. He didn't strike out. He had meaningful, successful, productive at bats, from a guy that I expect nothing from, and a guy that I've been beating up all season, a guy that I've been practically calling worthless. And you know what? I will say at this point that David Lowe is showing me something. David Lowe has adjusted to his new role on this team, and if he's going to make the playoff roster, and I, I think that's a stretch, but if he's going to do that, he has basically shown himself to be a guy that knows what he's doing. Let me ask you something, if I if I gave you the question, what has David Lowe done in the last let's call it month? What would you say his average was? Mm, 318. 385. Okay. And I know, you know, the back of the, the baseball card means nothing, but David Lowe is doing much better in the spots that he's been given, the opportunities he's been given over the last, I would say, almost half of the season. So I, you're gonna call him a professional hitter? No, I will say that he has done a great job of managing his ego, of adjusting to the fall, and doing with, doing with the opportunities what he could. That matters at this point of the year. So good on you, David Lowe. Okay,
0: my bad for the week is going to go to Kevin Gossman. The long ball made an appearance as folks have begun to sit and wait for his slider and changeup. They were wrecked this week um, in terms of run value. It was a negative ten point eight five for his slider to negative forty six point four in terms of his changeup. His inability to throw his breaking and all speed ball effectively is going to have folks sitting on the fastball. He has to be a bullpen arm at this time.
1: Yeah. And, and he's been really gracious about saying, you know, if I'm a bullpen arm, I'll be happy to do it. That's kind of, you know, that's the only choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's either that or not make the uh, roster. Right. All right. My, my bad for this week is JJ Hardy. And look, I'm just happy to have him back. I know that, that with the back injury, he's, he's been playing limited time. I, I get all that. He's one for 17 in his, in his last uh, week or so. And that's just not getting it done. Look, JJ Hardy can do everything he wants to in the field. And I love that, but six strikeouts and 17 at bats. And he's just not doing anything. We, we, we don't have Chris Davis. We need something in the lower part of the order to make this thing happen.
0: Okay, my ugly for the week is going to go to Kelly Johnson, who should have had a great chance of being the starting third baseman for this team once Davis was suspended, but he's really done nothing and has been sloppy in the field as well. He's likely going to get left off the playoff roster for the likes of Ryan Flaherty.
1: That's ouch. Yikes. That's ouch. Yeah. Yikes. Now, do you think that Kelly Johnson will fail to make it and Jimmy Paredes will, will make the playoff roster? I think it's a good possibility. Woof. Yeah. That is poof. That's pretty ugly. All right. You got me there. I'm going to go with my ugly for this week. And my ugly is Sunday baseball. Sundays. Orioles, I hate you on Sundays. Why do you do this to me? I just want to love you. Every day of the week, but particularly on Sundays. Why? Because I'm there. I come to visit Oriole Park at Camden Yards every home Sunday. What happens? What happens? invariably the team loses, whether you call it the Sunday lineup, whether you call it the fact that they can't play during the day, whatever it is. The Orioles hate me on Sundays. For a team that's won more than 90 games, I have seen precious few wins on those Sundays. This is not a new phenomenon. Something is up. I don't know what it is, but I tell you what, I do not like it. Thanks a lot for ruining my baseball afternoons again, Sundays. You are ugly. I just think it's a small sample size. I don't care if it's a small, <laughs> small sample size. It's 13 ugly. That's fair. Bitter, 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 bitter.
0: What was it this year? Like five and eight? I don't know. It wasn't enough. Okay. So, Jake, with that uh, rant, not bad, by the way, but I think I'll take next week.
1: We uh, probably should.
0: Let's go ahead and blow the save. Jake, I want to talk about postseason gear because the ALDS, uh, our AL East Champions shirts have come out and the AL East caps have come out. I always have a hard time going out and purchasing postseason gear, and most of the time, I basically don't buy it, and then I get left out. And I'm like, well, I really wish I would have bought that shirt when I could have the chance. So, Jake, are you opposed to buying postseason gear?
1: I'm not opposed to buying it. The one thing I will say is that you know we make fun of the uh, the Pink Hat Nation uh, for their brand new 2007 2004 Red Sox gear, so I want to be make sure I avoid that, but. When the Orioles clinched the AL East, I wasn't sure they're done. Why would I buy an AL East hat when I might be able to buy an ALCS hat right. or a World Series hat or a World Champions hat? Why would I do that to myself? I I, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I guess my question, to Jake, is when
0: is the right time to buy postseason gear? Because it certainly seems like once you're out of it, that gear
1: completely disappears. No, I think once you're out of it, that's the time to do it. Because if you are... If you are in the playoffs, you've had a successful season. But right, again, but sometimes that gear disappears entirely. So, because again, no one wants to go into the store
0: and buy gear from a losing team. Yeah, I guess I'm in the mi- minority, though. I, I have. I'm st- in the same boat as you are. Of, I normally like to wait until it's like, I'm going to wait until they get out of it because I want to go to the very end. We like
1: the sales.
0: Yeah, we like the sales. So, um, you know, Jake, I think I'm going to drop some coin, though, and buy my AL East Champion thing because, again, it's the first time in 17 years I think it's worth getting just to walk around to some of my Yankees fans and be like, yeah, you see that? I you see that? I think I might do a
1: sweatshirt because I, I really like those that, 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 that like the Heather Gray ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Those I, re- are nice. I really
1: like the 2012 ones and I didn't get one. And uh, you know, I'm gonna need something to go to uh to go to games in October in. So, you know, it seems like it's worthwhile.
0: I'm only gonna point out though, I, I understand where you're coming from but it's not orange and you really do need to wear orange
1: in October. You're right. And I, I stand corrected one last thing. And I know, I know we're pressing on time here, but I want to blow the save with something incredible that happened this week. And I, I, I want to make sure it gets recognized. Okay. Great friends of ours. Uh, Jen and Billy Lovett, Uh, friends of Sarah's from college. A, amazing. Bunch of Oreo fans. If you saw them this week, you'd know it. They were the ones that had the sign that said, ain't the beer cold with the, uh, the wigs on. I think I met them. I think I gave them some shirts. Yeah. They, yeah. uh, they've been to about 40 games this season. Super fans. They're amazing, but they have a great nickname that I think that we, we should demand that the Baltimoreans recognize. So this, boys, listen up. This is important. This is important business and it re- revolves around Delman Young. They say that Delman Young looks like a Ninja Turtle. And so they've been calling him Del Montello. That's not bad, no, 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 that's not that's not bad it's It's too perfect. It's not perfect. It's too perfect. It's just a shame that Master Splinter is Jewish. <sighs> oh my, you know what with that, I'm in trouble here because I have nothing to answer with on that. Are you excited to see some playoff baseball? I'm excited to
0: see some playoff baseball. honestly, I was really happy to see the uh East clinched. But at the same time, I was kind of like Buck, was just standing in the background and being like, okay, that's great. But I want more. I want to see more. I want to see them go, you know, win the Division Series, win the Championship Series, and get to the World Series. And as much as I enjoyed seeing Clinch the East, it's a stepping stone. All right, but don't let it rob you of the enjoyment. I, I, I enjoyed it, but like I said, it's a stepping stone for me. So, Jake, with that,
1: I cannot wait. I cannot wait.
0: Well, we'll have all the playoffs. Like I said, we can talk about it all next week. We'll have a whole week basically to talk about it. So it'll be a fun next week for the podcast. You just want me to shut up at this yes. point? Yes. All right. I do, I do. Good night, Baltimore. Birdland. Champions.